You may be seated. Our scripture reading for our devotion today is taken from the fifth chapter of of St. Matthew. This is in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We begin reading with verse 14 in Jesus' name. And he's speaking here to his believers. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Many years ago, there was a man that uh, worked in the Secret Service to protect the president and his family uh, during the Jimmy Carter administration. And one night, uh, this Secret Service agent who was protecting the president uh, was at Camp David with the first family. Camp David is kind of a retreat center outside of Washington, D.C. It happened to be an extremely dark night. Uh, there was no moon that night. And um, uh, he sent out a message through kind of a walkie-talkie system to all of the Marines that were out on the property. It's a piece of property that has a lot of trees and pathways through it. And um, all these Marines got the message that the president and his wife unexpectedly had decided to go out for a walk that night, and it was very dark. And so um, he began to go out with them. And after they got out a ways, suddenly he could hear a rifle click and he recognized, the Secret Service agent recognized the type of rifle it was by the sound of the click. And he knew it was one of the soldiers. Turned out it was one of the soldiers that had not uh, gotten the message and now had his gun aimed at the president and his wife, not knowing who they were. And the Secret Service agent uh, heard him say, halt or I'll shoot. And so he said, I'm going to step in front of these people. I'm going to turn the light on my face so you can see me. Then the soldier would recognize him. So he went up to the soldier and shined his light on his face. And the soldier realized it was a fellow soldier. And then he turned and put the spotlight on President Carter and his wife. And he said, the guy holding the gun just about fainted, realized how close he came to possibly shooting the president, the very one he was supposed to protect. Light makes such a difference. Having light to illumine something so that we can see something can make a dramatic change and a dramatic difference in things. It helps us to see and understand things accurately. The Holy Spirit uses the imagery of light and darkness frequently throughout the Bible. It's one of the great motifs that you'll find throughout the whole Bible. And we see that in Jesus' words here in his Sermon on the Mount as well. And he's describing his church of believers. He's describing those who have come to trust in him and have faith in him. Now that's not our natural condition. St. Paul tells us, you were once darkness. In fact, the Bible talks about us being in deep spiritual darkness. By ourselves, we would not know God. We would not know the way to heaven. We would not understand the things of God's kingdom. Because of our, the darkness of sin in our hearts, we would have no way of ever being in God's presence in the light of heaven someday. But God, the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, has come to teach us about our Savior and what he's done for us, that he went to the cross to pay for all of your sins, 
to wipe them away before God. And by faith, trusting in him, you have the hope of going to heaven someday. You now are a child of God, a child of light, is the way the Bible describes those who believe in Christ. Just think what an amazing thing that is, a child of light. But that, that phrase is intended from God the Holy Spirit not simply to describe the fact that God has shined his light in your heart to give you faith, but he also uses it to describe you in the world. He also uses it to talk about your presence in this wicked, unbelieving world. You are now the light of the world, he says, because of this faith God has put inside of your heart. It's really something, isn't it, to think that God describes his son, who came into the world to save us, as the light that came into the world. And he uses those same terms to talk about people where he's worked that faith in their hearts to believe in him. We're in pretty good company here when the Holy Spirit speaks of you in the same type of terminology here, in this case, as the Son of God himself who came into the world to save us. And God wants us to understand, and our Lord particularly here, that that this light that he has given us, this spiritual light in us, is for the benefit of his church and for the world at large. Listen to how Peter wrote about this. He said, Live such good lives among the pagans, unbelievers, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. God placed Noah in the middle of a wicked generation for a reason and for a purpose. God placed Lot and his family in the city of Sodom for a reason and a purpose. God placed the little servant girl in the life of the Syrian commander Naaman in the days of Elisha for a purpose. God sent St. Paul to the Areopagus in Athens to stand there among pagan unbelievers for a purpose. In the same way that your soul lives inside of your body but is really not your body and part of it, so it is with believers in Christ in this world. They live inside of this world and yet they're really not part of it. They don't belong here. They belong in heaven. Listen to what uh, a Norwegian uh, pastor once wrote in some beautiful devotion. As long as the righteous dwell among the ungodly, God's judgment is held off. Did you ever think about that? That your presence as a believer in the world helps to keep judgment day off for a while for people? But when the saints are gone, he says, the vultures gather over the carcass. The unbelieving world is not aware of the tremendous benefit that the light of God's children provide in this world, preserving them from judgment, allowing the gospel to still be present in the world for them to also know and come to faith. So God has given you this gift of faith in your heart to trust in your Savior, not just to get you to heaven, that's the greatest, most important, of course, but it's also for your life here to benefit the world to benefit people around you, to benefit the people whom you will influence in your day-to-day life. Let me give you a good example of that. Years ago, I had arrived at a new congregation that I was serving, and there was a young man, probably in his mid-twenties, recently married, and uh, he was talking to me, wanted to get to know me a little bit. He told me that he'd grown up in a completely unbelieving family. His parents were both atheists, had no knowledge of God at all. And it started dating a a young lady who was a Christian. And when he went finally to meet her parents and was at their home, he was so amazingly impressed with 
with the Christian attitude and humility and love that her parents had and uh, just what a gentle spirit her father had and everything. And he said, just getting to know him and what a wonderful Christian man he was made me want to be a Christian. It just made me want to learn more about how did, how did he get like this? What is it in his heart that, that makes him think like this and to go through his life the way that he is? You see, God has not called you to faith for you to just go live in a vacuum, to go live in a cave, or to dedicate your life into a monastery. Listen to what Jesus says. Let your light so shine among men, among people, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's God's intent that his faithful in this world are visible, that they're noticeable. St. Paul says that God has prepared in advance good works for you to do in your life so that you can be this light in the world. So God attaches a purpose even in times and places where we think there might not be any purpose. There's always an eternal element involved with it. The most recent congregation I served, there were two ladies who both were pretty much paralyzed and bedridden. And there were times when I would go visit them, I'd usually see them once a month, bring them communion, and they would often say, I wish God would just take me to heaven, I don't know why God leaves me here anymore. And yet, every time I went to see them, it was edifying to me. People in such horrible, sad situations could still have such confidence and trust in the promises of God and such a strong hope for the, the beautiful home in heaven they were waiting for. And when I would go visit them, I would come out of there just, just touched by that and so edified by that. At Christmas time, we would bring the young people from our church to go in and sing for them. And they often made comments similar to that as well. God is always using you as a light in the world, even if you're paralyzed and laying in a bed in your own room. Just think about in heaven all the ways that you and I may discover that God used us and our lives to shine forth his love into the world. The very grace in Christ that, that has saved us and will take us to heaven, he uses us to represent that in the world. Amen. Let us pray. Please rise for prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for calling us out of darkness into the marvelous light of your grace. Help us to remain in this light throughout our lives through the hearing of your word and the reception of your sacrament, uh, that we may firmly stand before you someday in the eternal kingdom of light. We pray this all in Christ's saving name. Amen.